Hello, good morning. My name is James Dillard. I'm the associate principal at Greer Middle College Charter High School. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. This broadcast could possibly be sent out as a recording. So if it's not morning to you, good afternoon, good evening. But it's morning for me. I've got my second cup of coffee in my Greer Middle College Charter mm -hmm. High School tumbler. And we are ready to rock and roll with a little bit of information on the McKinney-Vento Act and some homeless outreach here. So you will hear things on this presentation that is not specific to Greer Middle College, nor the South Carolina Public Charter School District. This is federal laws and regulations and the idea is to get the word out so if you see this video please share it on social media please watch carefully feel free to ask questions hopefully i will answer the number one question sometimes is who do i ask in my particular school or district and we will talk about that in this broadcast so let's get started first of all what we're going to talk about in this presentation is the who, the why, the what of homelessness. And I'm going to I'll say this over and over again. I'm also probably going to repeat multiple times that this is not specific to GMC nor the South Carolina Public Charter School District, but to everyone in the United States of America. So, but the definition of homelessness is definitely not what your layman's definition is normally thought of even among the world of educators a lot of us are not unless we are specifically trained with the mckinney vento we may not understand how the federal government defines homeless students in the world of education so it's very important when we get to those slides about the definition and we're going to talk about identifying those students and like i said who to reach out to at your local school or district so first of all, understanding the who within our school district, the South Carolina Public Charter School District, just a few demographics. We have more than 38 schools now, 17,000 plus enrollment, and about half of our students are considered pupils in poverty. And once again, just FYI, that's another definition that's different in the education world than, than the layman's terms there. So what happened, just to make it real quick and real simple, is during COVID, a lot of students quit attending school. A lot of students were displaced. And based on the data, the thought process is that those students have not found their way back to any school, much less the school that may be best for them. So that is the purpose of this outreach that is being guided by the federal government and put out there by folks like me in the local community. So that's also a good segue into understanding the why. So how vulnerable, and this, this kind of leads towards the definition of the homeless student, which is different than what most people, like I say, may define as homeless. If you think about it, a lot of us are more vulnerable 
to experiencing what we define in the education world as homelessness than you may think. If you're ever involved in a flood, a fire, a tornado, or other natural disaster, you work in an area where the economy uh, or your job may be obsolete, and that is a constantly changing landscape, especially during and as we come out of COVID. Could you suffer long-term illness or accident without proper health benefits or compensation? Do you live in a household with only one full-time wage earner? Or are you behind on monthly bills, have high credit debt, or home and foreclosure? And obviously, these are questions for parents. The students are generally not in the situation. And as we as adults know, this could be a lot. It could be us, lots and lots of people. Your housing costs in your area increasing faster than wages are increasing. That is a constantly fluctuating and in some areas more so than others. But that is could definitely be a thing for some people. Does anyone in your family struggle with alcohol, drugs, or other addictions? That situation could lead to a student being defined as homeless in the education world. Has there been any form of domestic violence or abuse in your family? Do you have money in savings, life insurance to cover living expenses should your spouse die unexpectedly? So a lot of very, very, unfortunately, very, very common life situations that could be a cue for the potential of a student being homeless based on the McKinney-Vento definition. So the McKinney-Vento Act, it establishes the definition of homelessness used by schools, and we will get to that very, very shortly. But trust me, it is different than what most lay people think. It establishes educational rights given to eligible students, ensures that children and youth experiencing homelessness have equal and immediate access to public education and extracurricular activities, provides educational support to students to promote school success. And I'm going to, this is a great place for me to repeat once again. This is a federal act. This is federal law and guidelines. This is not something specific to South Carolina, nor our school district, and definitely not just Greer Middle College Charter High School. So the rights under the McKinney-Vento Act, equal access to the same free, appropriate public education, including public preschool education, as is provided to other children and youth. Immediate enrollment, even when records normally required for enrollment are not present. And these are slides. So if you're a school person, you understand that. If you're not an educator, you're like, what does that mean? Well, that means if you are trying to work with a child or your child is trying to get enrolled, you should not have roadblocks. And please just simply refer to the McKinney-Vento Act. It requires immediate enrollment. And the school official should say, oh, yeah, and enroll that child immediately. Remain in the school of origin if it is in the student's best interest in order to maintain educational stability. That is generally a group decision. Once again, depending on the situation, these are case-by-case -case bases, but the educators involved with this child, along with parents or guardians, or, you know, in some of the worse 
some of the bad situations with the parent guardian. It could be, you know, a, a DSS worker or something as a group should come to a decision, but it should, you should always decide to keep that child in the school or if you're having to send that child to another school, uh, it's that should be in the best interest of the child and their education and not due to other obstacles. Access all educational and related services for which they are eligible, including Title I services and free school meals, full participation in school, which may include participation in extracurricular activities. That's an important thing to note. If a student is defined as homeless by definition of McKinney-Vento, and there's an obstacle due to that, that would, in theory, oh, well, this child cannot play this sport or be in our marching band, et cetera. The, it is the obligation of the school to make sure that that obstacle is overcome for that child to be able to participate in those extracurricular activities. And it's this last one is generally the number one obstacle from my experience that is put in, in between a child and their education and the extracurricular activities in the event of homelessness is the transportation and that obligation basically just falls on to the school and or district to accommodate that child. And most that's the most common. And what is also very common is that it is a temporary situation. So I felt like I was given a teaser, the definition of homelessness based on McKinney Vento. Once again, feel free to Google uh, look this stuff up. I do not claim to be an expert, at least in public. So here it is, but I didn't make these slides up either. Those who lack a fixed, regular, and adequate nighttime residence, including students who are sharing housing due to loss of housing, economic hardship, or a similar reason, living in motels, hotels, trailer parks, camping grounds due to a lack of alternative adequate accommodation. So that's important. If a family is choosing to live in a campground because that's how they roll, that's different. But if something has happened and their only option is to pull the fifth wheel to a campground, even though once again, it has nothing to do with income, how much money, et cetera. But if something has happened to that family's housing and they have pulled the quarter million dollar RV to the campground because that's their only alternative, that student would be considered homeless and qualify for all things under McKinney-Vento. Living in emergency and transition shelters, abandoned in hospitals, living in public or private places not designated for or ordinarily used as regular sleeping accommodations for human beings. That's very broad, but once again, as you're handling these cases on a case-by-case basis and you start talking to families or children, where are you living, where are you sleeping, and they tell you it will pretty much be a red flag right away, that is not a normal place for humans to sleep, and therefore the child should be considered homeless. 
living in cars, parks, public spaces, abandoned buildings, bus or train stations, or similar situations. Migratory children living in these situations. All right, so the definition, and this can be confusing. There was a situation just recently where our team of administrators at Greer Middle College, as veteran and intelligent and wonderful as we are, had to refer back to the literature to make a decision on whether a child should be considered homeless or not. So it can be a, it can be a thing, case-by-case case basis for sure. So for the lay people out there, my advice, the, the advice is, if there's any question, go find the homeless liaison in your school or district. One of the most important pieces to this is the fixed, regular, and adequate nighttime residence. Stationary, permanent, not subject to change. Regular, used on a predictable, consistent basis. Adequate, lawfully and reasonably sufficient utilities running water. Housing is sufficient for meeting the physical and psychological needs typically met in the home environment. So if once again, if there's questions, you can refer to the literature. That step should be mainly for educators. If you are a parent or a guardian or a friend of a loved one and you think a student is in this situation, make the educators ask those questions. So we'll, we'll talk in a second on how to find who to talk to. Shared housing. A lot of people just say doubled up. Not all doubled up situations are considered homeless. It depends on why they are sharing the housing, why that particular family or student is doubled up. So if they're sharing the housing of others due to economic hardship or a similar reason to be eligible for McKinney-Vento services, a child or a youth living doubled up must have lost housing or be experiencing a housing crisis. Some people double up on purpose, which is fine. We'll go through a scenario in, in a minute here on that. Helpful questions to ask to determine if the living situation would be considered homeless. Why did the family or youth move in with another family? A lot of this, once again, case-by-case -case basis, answer these questions can lead to determining whether the child qualifies for McKinney-Vento. Is this a long-term arrangement? Sometimes this does change over time. And sometimes just because it's short-term does not mean it is not McKinney-Vento. The student would qualify for services for that temporary amount of time. Is this situation of mutual benefit or convenience for both parties? Where would the doubling up family or youth live if they were not doing so, if they were not staying with that host family? So that has a answer to those questions has a lot. So here, here's an example. A single mother has moved in with her mom because her mom can provide after-school care for her son and because her mother is getting older and needs some help versus a single mom lost housing due to a fire and moved in with relatives, i.e., to, for comparison purposes, her mom, until the house can be repaired. The example A would not be a homeless student situation. 
An example B, however, would be, even though it may be, once again, this is an example of maybe temporary insurance, build another house, et cetera, et cetera, and, and then the student is not considered homeless anymore. That's a very easy example, FYI. Most of the ones, most of them are easy, but there are there are plenty that will come, come your way that are not so easy. Unaccompanied homeless youth. The term unaccompanied youth includes a homeless child or youth not in the typical physical custody of a parent or guardian. Okay, so you can look up the legality documentation there. Liaisons must assist unaccompanied homeless youths with enrollment, school selection, and dispute resolution. And they also have the same right to immediate enrollment and educational services as other students. So unaccompanied youths. All right. Just to give an idea of some data, and this is this is 1920. So this would have been a pre-COVID, some pre-COVID numbers out of the South Carolina public schools. 11, over 11,000 students were identified to qualify under McKinney-Vento. So that's a that's a that's a large number in the state of South Carolina. You think, well, you know, the layman's definition of homeless, there wouldn't be that many children. But when you're talking about these situations that we have now discussed, you see how it can be a more common thing uh, than one might think. So, and there's some other numbers as far as the doubled up, the motel, the shelter, unsheltered. And once again, hopefully most of these situations were temporary. Like I say, from my experience as an educational administrator, most of the situations now temporary, six months, two and a half years, that can be different on a family for sure, but uh, hopefully temporary nonetheless in either situation. So why identification matters? If if the kids are not in school, we can't educate them and prepare them for, you know, and that's also helping the families a lot of times as well. So we cannot meet the students' needs until they have identified. identified. Find them, enroll them, keep them in school, help them succeed. So that's and that's where this outreach comes in, and that's where the general public can be of assistance with this as well. Identification removes barriers for children and youth within the educational system. Identification ensures access to needed supports and resources. Identification is the foundation of funding levers and resource allocations. So this brings up a, a good point there are some identification, and once again, in my experience, probably about more than half of the identification, the student is already in school, but they are trying and struggling, maybe missing a lot of school because they're trying and struggling to overcome the obstacle that has been put in front of them and their families due to their McKinney-Vento homeless situation, and they simply haven't been identified. And then the school or the district can turn around and give 
that family the support they need. Once again, from my experience, the main thing is transportation. So even if the student is in school and they're not identified as homeless based on McKinney Vento, uh, awareness of these definitions and the supports that are out there for them is needed so we can identify these kids. Somebody could be watching this right now and their student is enrolled in school, but they're missing a lot of school because, and you were not aware that the district that the school is enrolled and or the school should be the one providing transportation. You can't get the kid to school because your insurance company has put you across town. And this is an example uh, that I've had to deal with in the past. Insurance company puts a family across town because there's a contract, et cetera, whatever the house fire displaces the family and the insurance company says you have to go here and it's across town. It's out of the district. It, it's not on the normal bus route. Well, the parent has struggled trying to get the kid to school. They're still enrolled, et cetera, et cetera, riding with friends, but they're missing a lot of days. They don't know that they should make a phone call to the school and say, we've been displaced due to fire. My child qualifies for McKinney Vento assistance and the school and or district are obligated to come pick that child up on the bus just like they would any other child and get them to school for the time that they're displaced until they can get back into a permanent residence. So anyway, so that's identification matters for students that are not enrolled, of course, but also for students that are currently enrolled as well. The barriers to identification, this is, this is tough. I've learned to start a conversation with a family a student, a parent, by saying, I'm about to use the word homelessness, and it doesn't mean what you probably think it means. So, and then I have the conversation with them that has come to my attention that, you know, your family has this situation, et cetera, and just want to let you know you qualify for this, that, or the other, and basically just ask, is there anything you, you need? And if their needs fall under a category that we have to uh, fill, then then we'll do that. So, the families or youth may be uncomfortable telling people at school about their homelessness and asking for help. I mean, who wouldn't think that that's just the way it is? That's human nature. So, like I say, feel free to start the conversation with, I'm about to use the word homelessness, and it does not mean what you think it means. Or replace the word homelessness with McKinney Vento. If you're a, a, a parent or a loved one of a child and you want to talk to the school, about the potential of the child being homeless, just replace the word homeless and homelessness with McKinney Vento. I'm here to talk about, you know, so-and-so potentially qualifying for McKinney Vento rights. And if the person you're talking to doesn't know what McKinney Vento is, which is highly likely, just FYI, then tell them to ask one of the administrators or somebody in the building. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the transportation director or the person at the district office that oversees transportation, they should know, they more than likely know what McKinney Vento is and what that means. And then it can, the information can filter back down to the school from there. So don't hold it against the school person you call the counselor or, or teacher or something, if they've never heard of McKinney Vento, but somebody in that organization definitely will know and, and, and can get you the assistance you need. So, but anyway, replacing homelessness, or homeless with McKinney Vento can help 
help people feel more comfortable. Knowing the definition is much more broad than you think it is, hopefully helps people feel more comfortable. And families or youth may not recognize their current living situation qualifies the student for these supports. So if there's any struggle that has affected your living situation, that you've seen the list that we've gone through in this presentation, if you're watching the recording, just slide it back and look again. And, and you can always ask the question. And like I say, as a group, the administrators at the school, the homeless or McKinney-Vento liaison for the school or district will be able to help you determine if you're not sure, but it's better to ask and maybe get assistance needed than go through and have the child miss out on some piece of their educational experience that they should not be having to miss. All righty. So a local homeless liaison has the authority and responsibility to ensure that eligible students are identified. When us as liaisons heard that, we were, you know, we were like, wow, that we shoulder a lot of responsibility. But basically what that means is once we find out about a situation, then we are responsible and have the authority to to get that ball rolling, make things happen uh, that can help that student get the pieces and or the full educational experience they need, they have right to. And it is a collaborative effort. School personnel, administrative staff, nurses, social workers, parents for sure. And the outreach and coordination with outside agencies is essential. So once again, just a reminder, this is not specific to Greer Middle College, not specific to South Carolina Public Charter School District, not specific to the state of South Carolina. This is a federal law and or guideline. So feel free to share this with on your social media or with any, any friends or neighbors or anywhere in the United States. So, but eligibility determinations should be made on a case-by-case -case basis considering the circumstances of each student. We talked about that. And that's done as a team with the folks listed above, including the parent, guardian, et cetera. So McKinney-Vento identification procedures. Are there situations where the liaison delegates authority to other staff for simple determinations? Sure. It depends on, that would depend on the size of the school or district that you're dealing with. How will internal, external referral forms get to McKinney-Vento McKinney liaison or designees? If you don't get the word, it's however it gets to the liaison is how it gets there. It's generally word of mouth is the best way to put it, but it's somebody reporting what they know. And it usually comes after they learn that it, they could qualify, for example, after listening to a presentation such as this. Once a student is deemed eligible, what procedures are in place to ensure students is um, helped under the McKinney-Vento in power school. That's a school, power school person question. We're going to skip that one. There'll be somebody in the school, hopefully, that can uh, answer that question. Hopefully, there's two at GMC. All right. So, like we've said before, we would love for you to share this information, tidbits of information. Feel free if somebody's getting it confused to refer to the literature, or they can reach out to these references, resources 
here or they can contact me or our homeless specialists at our district. But there should be someone, if you are not part of the public, South Carolina Public Charter School District, if you are not part of Greer Middle College Charter High School, there is definitely someone in your school or district that should be able to help you with this. So just call somebody and ask to speak to student services is generally a good person or the transportation or an administrator. And that will definitely get the ball rolling. But I will tell you, if you run into an obstacle, especially in the state of South Carolina and you call the school and you just can't seem to find who is the homeless liaison, you are welcome to email or call me or the people at our district because we are more than happy to help folks in these situations. It will be real simple for me, hopefully, to get you plugged into the appropriate person in your local school or district. So please share this information. We want to get the word out there. We want to get the kids the assistance they need, whether they're already in school or not. And we do appreciate your time and attention in addition to sharing this. Once again, any questions, let me know. I am James Dillard, Associate Principal at Grimmauto College Charter High School, Taylor, South Carolina. Thank you and God